everybody and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through business success. Today we are sharing with you a talk I did about how to unleash joy at work. In this episode, you will learn about the eight pillars of joy from the book of joy, get insight into the fulfillment formula we use in our coaching practice, and learn about using unconditional love for yourself to help and inspire those around you. So enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. I um, I love the amount of people that are enthusiastic about finding joy at work. You know, it's one of those uh, really, I believe, it's one of the really neat trainings that we can have. But yet, it doesn't have this kind of this kind of catch-all like make a million dollars in ten easy steps, right? Like or learn how to you know generate seventeen more listings in seven days, which are all really great tactics. But I believe that most people are missing the core component of their life because they're actually searching for it indirectly. And so one of the things I love to explore with you in this next hour, uh, hour Hallie's on this call as well too with us um, to kind of make sure to keep me in line and, and to make sure I don't miss anything, um, really is to just explore what joy is. How do you start to begin to bring more joy into your life? Because at the core of our companies, at Adam Hergenrother Companies from BlackRock Construction, where we're just broke ground on a $50 million project and opening up February 1st in like two days, a actually in two days, yeah, our first kind of independent concierge living facility. Um, and how you, you, you have the, um, the, the material aspect of all of these things, but at the core ethos, if you will, of the basis of Adam Hurley companies from BlackRock to Keller Williams, to our training organization, to um, HRG, to all, to our foundation, to all of our employees and our people that are partners with us on there. There is an ethos that runs through our organizations. And that is ultimately about discovering who you are through this business as a conduit for your personal growth. But it comes down to joy. It comes down to love. It comes down to excitement, enthusiasm, creativity, all these high states that we think we need to be able to get outside instead of realizing they're actually inside. So one of the things you're, and I'm not going to make it all spiritual, don't worry. But one of the things you're going to hear from me today is just that how indirectly people go about trying to find joy or happiness or um, just this that rush of energy that comes up in you, what do you call it, spirit or joy or energy or love, whatever you want to call that word or reference it, how do you go about generating that all the time? Instead of trying to manipulate the external world to get a car or get money or get a house to make you feel a certain way, doesn't mean you don't go after all of those things. It's just there's a different way about getting it. So we're going to talk about joy today at work. So thank you for being on this, on this journey with us um, and, and really – listening at our core beliefs of why our organization operates the way it is. I mean, for three years in a row, I think actually four years in a row, we just become the best companies to work in the state of Vermont. Hallie, is that four? Yeah, yeah four. four years. Um, yeah. And, and really when you hear why people want to be with us or partner with us or, or become a coaching client with us or join Project U, um, which is really our, our full year-long immersion course, which Sure, in an hour, we can give you some kind of awareness into what we're doing as an organization and some tactics that you will get throughout this to bring more of this into your life. Um, but the reason why I created the course is because over a course of a year, you can change people, transform their life by using our formulas and our messages that we that we believe in every single day. So today, we're going to break down what these are for you. 
And that's why it's called joy at work. It's called unleashing that. It's already inside you. You just got to uncover. It's like in a cloudy day, the sun's there. It's just when the clouds go, the sun's brighter. <laughs> so it's always there. So, so first of all, what is this going to look like, right? Um, I think the, uh, in its essence, um, how do you really unleash joy? Well, first of all, it becomes this purposeful practice, right? This daily pursuit. And I want you to hear these words, right? It's a purposeful practice, a daily pursuit. It's not one day I'm going to turn on, one day I'm going to turn off. And a constant commitment to cultivating joy in your life in those around you. And when you think about this from the from just this phrase, it's work. It does. It's not something that um, it just comes easy. Personal growth, the the personal growth journey through business, business itself. Whether you're running an Ironman, whether you're learning to play the piano, whether you're just getting into real estate, whether you're starting a business, it's all work. It's the same thing with joy. It's about joy takes work too. Relationships take work, right? They all. You have to be willing to go through and on this journey to really look at how to bring this. But if you're listening to this and it caught your attention, it doesn't mean your life is there's this, there's a whole bunch of disdain in your life where you're just completely unhappy. Typically, I find that it's not the case. And the people that we've taken through in our Project U course, they are very successful and actually have great lives. There's just this kind of underlying tension that says, hey, there's probably something more. There could be something more that's there. And you can't quite put a finger on it. And you're sick of trying to manipulate some external world to make it try to fit your model that you've created to make you have joy, which is a way to do it. It's temporary, right? It just, it fleeds away. So one of the cool things I want to start with is kind of the eight pillars of joy. This is actually a really neat kind of quote that I love, right? Happiness is based on what is happening around us and joy is based on what's happening within us. The key to kind of take away from this is that um, happiness in itself is a fleeting feeling. And I'm going to actually explain this in the later half of this for about 10 minutes about um, where that fleeting feeling of happiness comes from. But just understand happiness is just fleeting and it comes and it goes, right? And then you chase after it. Whereas joy, this energy, love, whatever word makes sense for you in their spirit, whatever it is for you, is what is already happening with inside of us. It's already there. You, you, when you feel this, when something good happens, you put three homes under contract or you put, you know, you get a huge paycheck or a big bonus and you feel this rush of energy come up, that's already within you. That's that nothing like the money didn't all of a sudden say, hey, here's an injection of joy I'm going to put inside you and also make you feel a certain way. It's already there, right? It's already there. So I want to talk about how do you tap into that? in your everyday life? How do you tap into that and build a massive business? How do you tap into that and be the best mother or father or brother or sister or parent you can be? That becomes the work of your life and that's joy, right? Mm -hmm. So in the book of joy, the Dalai Lama, which if you haven't read is an awesome book. Um, Dalai Lama and Archbishop, um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu come together for about three or four days and they have this conversation of joy. And they give some really cool kind of tactics and I thought it would be a good way to lead into this um, from kind of outlining their eight pillars, if you will. And by the way, the one thing I like about the book is you think about the Dalai Lama, right? And the Archbishop. I mean, two fundamentally different views of enlightenment, of religion, of spirit, one religion, not religion, right? Of just two opposing kind of, not opposing in a battling way, but just two different viewpoints. Yet they spend, and they're really good friends, they come together to talk about joy because that is the underlying, no matter how you get there, right? It's like you can take multiple routes to your office. 
it doesn't matter which route you get to the office, at the office is joy. And so when you come there, you're there. Everyone ends up at the same place. By the way, when you die, you end up at the same place too. So, I mean, you end up at the same place. So this, it doesn't matter. I don't, I'm whatever works for you type works, but I'm gonna, I hopefully can frame for you how to bring this into your life while you're living. So you don't have to go sit in a cave somewhere to try to find joy, right? Or like, you know, sit in a yoga posture for seven hours and trying to find enlightenment. You can find that in working in business challenges and working with problems and realizing the problems are just events. They're just events that happen. So anyways, so there's eight pillars of joy uh, that I think are just kind of worth looking at from obviously the book of joy. Number one is perspective. And what they really talk about here is, is taking that sacred pause and finding the widest perspective to help solve problems with creativity and compassion rather than being rigid or kind of reactive to things. So this perspective widening. So one of the things that I love and I actually spent an hour earlier this morning teaching this um, is you kind of, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but there's one thing for certain in life and that's death, right? I mean, there's, there's death is certain. Like there's a lot of things you can be like, ah, is this so, is it not? Like death is certain. <laughs> there's no, death is certain. You, there's no way around that. So when you think about problems that you have, just understand that your problems are always going to end. No matter what problem you have, I promise you will end because death takes it away. So to gain a larger perspective on this, you can use your mind for creative wisdom thinking instead of personal mind garbage we'll talk about later. And you use this larger perspective, like, hey, if I'm sitting here 50 years from now in a rocking chair, what do I want to accomplish in my life? Hey, if this is a problem right now, it feels really heavy, it feels really personal. If I were to die tomorrow, would this be a problem? So it's getting that wider perspective on things. And you do this all the time, right? Something shows up in your personal life, maybe it's a smaller problem or your business life, and you're, man, oh, this feels really heavy. A year from now, you look back and you're like, and I didn't, I didn't know why I even got all upset about that. Like, it's not even a thing. We do this all the time. It's just bringing more awareness of that perspective into our lives on a daily basis. Number two is humility, right? This is really where you discover how you depend on others. Just really understanding that how you're listening to this broadcast, the fact that I am in Vermont and you are everywhere in the world, right? Wherever you are, listening to my voice, following my screen in nanoseconds of me saying this. I mean, that is remarkable. So when you have a humility, you really just discover you depend on others for so many things that we just take for granted. Your parents, what about the clothes that you made, where you live, the fact that you have vitamins and medications, the fact that you can drive on a paved street, that we have water. And I know it's rudimentary and you're like, yeah, I get that. But man, if you want more joy in your life, these are the, the perspectives um, that you have, right? The perspective, the humility of understanding how much we depend on other people. And I would take this a step further and say how much we depend on our body, how much we depend on life. When's the last time you thought about your heart beating today? When's the last time you thought about how to hear? When's the last time you thought about how, uh, about learning how to see better? <laughs> When's the last time about you thought about even moving your feet or your hands or that your pancreas and your liver secrete certain things, right? When's the last time you had your body realizing it's changing cells every second so that every seven years, essentially, your body is a completely different um, organism that stays healthy. You don't think any of that. You just depend on life to do it. That's humility. You know, in the business sense, the humility is that you're putting the organization first. So really in its broad sense, it's understand that we depend on other things. It's not about us. 
whether you're putting your business first, whether you're putting life first, right? Whether you're depending on people to listen to this and, and, and drive, it's all about gaining that perspective and then bringing humility into your life to understand you didn't do this. You know, I didn't take it so far as saying that like, I mean, I have three kids, so I love them, but I didn't really create them, right? You didn't, I mean, who created your intelligence? Yeah, you could say I read, or I read more books and I got these different things. And yes, you use your willpower of consciousness to read more. Well, who gave you the ability to have intelligence? You can create intelligence, go create it in the back room and bring it out here. You can create an eyeball, go create it right now. You just were flowing with the convent of life. You were dependent on life to give you everything that you have. Yet then when something doesn't happen the way we want it to, we get all caught up in thinking that it's personal and we get upset that life's not unfolding exactly how we are and it robs joy from us. This is why you can bring humility into your life. Number three is humor, right? This is how do you just find ways to laugh at your faults, your limitations, your foibles? Even before I got on this, Hallie's like, hey, if you miss something, I'm gonna kind of jump in there and help you out. I'm like, I don't really miss anything, right? I never do. And I just I manage, we just laugh, right? So how do you just how do you laugh at you're a human being? You will be flawed. That's part of the human experience. Now you, I believe you're a spiritual being having a human experience, right? But part of the human experience is that you are human. You're going to feel certain things. You're going to experience way different levels of experience from your euphoric highs to your euphoric lows. You're just watching these experiences, but having humor along the way. And if you start with the perspective of this, it makes humor easier. What I mean by that is if you know you're going to die at the end of the day, so when you have these problems, you can laugh at your problems. You can laugh at the events that are unfolding. Oh my God, I can't believe this car is only driving 10 miles an hour on a 40. Do you think they can hit five? That'd be a record in a 40. <laughs> so there's ways to create a lot of humor if you want joy in your life. And when I, let me just define joy. I forgot to do this in the beginning and how I forgot to tell me. Um, joy in itself is just a word, it's just a thought. It's just there. But what is joy? Joy is the feeling that rushes through you that is just brings you to a higher state. And when you ultimately tap into this joy, this spirit, this that feeling, because joy is not a box that you or a needle that you inject inside you that comes in. Joy is just a way that we can touch the edges of explaining it. And really touching the edge of explaining it is just a feeling that comes up inside of you. And so that feeling is what we get addicted to, of course. Why wouldn't you be? It's right, it's it's life's way of saying that's the greatest state. Everyone wants joy. We just, the way we try to go about joy is we can talk about that later is just is wrong for most of us. And that's why we're having this conversation about using, understanding that joy is already within you. It's there, but it's that joy in itself is that higher state that makes you feel amazing. Like that day you get a you know, huge paycheck or you get a new job or you have a kid or you meet somebody for the first time, you feel this uplifting joy. It has nothing to do with how much caffeine you drank, what you ate, how much you slept, that joy, resides within you. you. Most of us have just been covering it up and at moments, the clouds kind of move a little bit and the sun shines harder, the joy comes out further. But haven't you ever been curious as to why that doesn't stay out the whole time, right? At least I have, that's been my journey in my life. How do you bring this? And then that journey has just evolved into our company. And that's what you're hearing about the, the ethos of how we operate our organizations. So number four is acceptance, right? This is where you just, you can't argue with what was or is. You just you can't argue with reality, right? Why be unhappy about something if it if it can be remedied? And what is the use of being unhappy if it can't be? <laughs> I mean, it covers the whole gamut, right? So you just when reality happens, you accept reality. 
you know, Michael Singer talks about, if you ever checked out his work, you should definitely check out a couple of his books, Untethered Soul or The Surrender Experiment. But he talks a lot about surrender. And, and at first, when you hear surrender, at least when I was introduced to it, it's like it, people feel like surrender or serving is like lackadaisical or weak. It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. Surrender just means that when an event happens, you don't bring all of the reasons why you didn't want it to happen into the event because then you're missing the event. Then you're in your head. You're living an abstract mind, right? So you don't do that. Acceptance means reality happened. Wow, it happened. Great, great. Change it. If you're losing your house, do everything you can to not lose your house. If you're losing a relationship, do everything you can to not lose the relationship. If you're losing a deal or losing money in a business, do everything you can to not lose money in the business, right? Nobody's saying don't do any of these things. It's just saying it's there. Don't bring in why this is happening to me, the victim language mentality. Don't bring any of that. Just bring the fact that it's acceptance. Then you became, you have clarity of awareness and you can solve the problems much faster. I mean, Einstein way back then said you've never solved the problem based on being at the same level of the problem. Well, if the problem happens and you get lower than the problem, you're certainly not going to <laughs> You're certainly not going to solve it. And that's what we do. We get the problem, and then we have the second thought about the problem, the third part about the problem. Oh my God, why is this person following out? I can't believe they would do that. Why would they do it? Don't say no. I need to make this money. I need to do this sale. This is what I do for me. I'm not going to be on a vacation for this. Aren't they silly? Like, why would they? <laughs> We're five layers deep now of trying to even accept reality. Now trying to even get back to a neutral state takes for so much energy, right? I wonder why we're walking around sleep. This is why. Number five is forgiveness. Tell your story, name your hurt, grant forgiveness, renew and release the relationship, right? Just, I mean, grant forgiveness. If you can, uh, we had the, uh, uh, our last Project You experience, we had a, um, a Zen Buddhist come in who also, by the way, runs a business, which is pretty awesome, uh, and walked us through for an hour of this very deep guided meditation. Uh, and I'll, I'll share just a 30 seconds of it to help you out. One of the things that I do after I do my normal meditation, um, I spend about a couple minutes and you can do this very easily about forgiveness. And it's just, um, there's just a little mantra that you can have. And it says, um, I am filled with love. I am filled with joy. I'm filled with enthusiasm. I'm filled with creativity. I'm filled with money, right? I'm filled with love, whatever it is that you I want to fill with. There's no right answer there. And then right after you say that you go, I am free of hatred. I am free of jealousy. I'm free of unworthiness. I'm free of comparing myself to others. I'm free of anger. I am free. I am free. And then I am love. I am filled with joy. I am filled with passion. I'm filled with creativity. I'm filled with joy. I am free of hatred. I'm free of jealousy. I'm free of, man, you do this and you just get into this state and then you can forgive so much and it brings you into the state of joy. That's why they, they spend hours doing that. I mean, we spent in, in a, for about an hour doing this and people came out of that and they're like, Oh my God, that was one of the most impactful things that we can do. So it's these techniques that you can achieve. It's all an interstate. There's nobody. It's like most people are spending the majority of their time trying to get water out of a rock, <laughs> right? The water's already inside you. Don't go to the rock and try to get it. Right? So number six is gratitude. Be thankful for what goes well in the learning and growth possible when things don't go well. So again, this really goes with acceptance right? When you, when you have gratitude, you're grateful for every life's event. You actually end up loving it, right? And I want to talk about that in a few minutes. Just you love all the events that happen because yeah, I'll get into it a little bit, but if you just, it just, just like they say in the book, be thankful for what goes well in the learning when growth is possible, when things don't go well, meaning don't fight reality, accept it, get a wider perspective on this, have fun with this and just appreciate the learning that you get from it. Don't take it personal. 
we take so much personal in our lives and it makes it feel personal. It sure feels it. And I'll talk about why that is, but it just feels it. But just to have that gratitude for be thankful for all of life's events. You got to understand life is just this river flowing downhill at four miles per hour and it never stops. It always goes at four miles per hour. I don't care how much you want to stop it, how much you want to get off the river, you're not going to. <laughs> you try to slow down the aging, you kind of slow down events. Life is always moving at four miles per hour and it's stuck there. It's just not going to stop. So you just get to decide if you want to fight the current the entire time or if you just want to be on the boat and getting to being clarity of being able to see the every hundred yards in life, there is another way to go. <laughs> and so you get to decide if you want to fight the current and it just drags you whichever way you want to go or if you want to be in the boat, controlling the boat to where you go based on the fact that you can now see the decisions that are ahead. Most of us are just fighting the current. We're trying to get it to stop, right? We're trying to, and we use our minds to do that. So again, just that's that gratitude, being thankful, compassion. It's that loving kindness, right? You may be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you have peace and joy. Begin with yourself, then those you love, then those you know, then those you don't know, and then those you fear or anger you. That's that loving compassion. The key to this, and we, we teach this a lot at work, is you have to self-leadership uh, or leadership is self Leadership, self-leadership precedes leadership. So you have self-leadership. The only way you can lead somebody is to lead yourself first. And this goes, the only way you can give money is to have money first. You can see it that way, right? The only way you can give somebody a coat is if you have a coat. You can't create one out of thin air. No difference in these states. The only way you can give unconditional love if you unconditionally love yourself. Remember, unconditional love means that you transcend what the mind tells you to like or dislike. You just transcend it. That's unconditional. You transcend what the mind is telling you to like or dislike. It's just like you're, if you think about if you have kids and you're listening to this, there's no difference. Like when you, I know, like I look at my kids, I unconditionally love them. No matter you, I, they transcend people, places, and things. Meaning, there's no whoever they end up being in a relationship with, wherever they go, or whatever they do, my love will transcend those three things for them. How about thinking about that for yourself, or even your partner, or your business partners? If you truly want that, right, that loving kindness, that compassion, do you have and do you bring that unconditional love to your life? It's just a just think about that. You know, we we do a lot um, about in the leadership and relationship section of Project U, and that's a deep question, isn't it? A very deep question. Are you bringing that same type of unconditional love to your partner? Many times that I didn't, and it was an awesome opportunity for me to learn, and I loved it. I loved learning every part of that. It just becomes a really, it becomes a driving factor in your life, because then you get to just, then you just get to stop and think about using your mind for wisdom thinking, right? Instead of garbage thinking. So generosity, offer more and more and more to others, resources, compassion, forgiveness, understanding, and see what comes back to you. You know, there's nothing in this world that you throw out that doesn't come back to you. Maybe anger, maybe hatred, maybe jealousy, maybe love, maybe money, it always comes back to you. People are afraid to give of scarcity. They think they're theirs, they think it's theirs, right? Nothing is yours. That's why I'll refer to death a few different times in this. Death shows you, look at Kobe Bryant, took everything away from him when he died. It's tragic. It's sad. But it took everything away. Made him every fame, wealth that he had, gone in a second. Second. Death equalizes every single one of us. 
So everything we think we need to accumulate, we lose in some short period of time. We just don't know when. <laughs> it's the certainty of it. So that's why you just got to check out what you think you need instead of giving and giving and giving love, money, forgiveness, all of these things. You don't have to give money. I don't care what you give. Just find a way to do it. You can give generosity. That's the, the core essence of this. So I hit on a few different things here, but just that's kind of, I wish I had like three hours because I or of like five days to really sit down and lay all this out for us. Um, but really the eight pillars of joy, perspective, humility, humor, acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, generosity. If you just stop here and you turn this off, pick one of these and focus on. Just pick one of them. Don't think that you need to go out there and be Clark Kent and Superman and do all of these. Just pick one. Pick one that you say, you know what? And I'm really not good at humor. I'm just going to start smiling. Don't even laugh. That's too much. Just smile. <laughs> or maybe you're great at laughing and you need to have a larger perspective, right? Or maybe you're great at acceptance, but you need to have more humility about that you depend on so much. You, how much you depend on life. What about just depending on air? <laughs> Take air away from you for four seconds. You see how much you depend on it. Everything depends on each other. We just we start using language and the language creates separation of context. And so then we think everything is separate, including ourselves, which is what got us in this trap in the first place. So just understand, just pick one of these of to really where you want to take your life. So what we did is we kind of look at this and said, all right, I wake up. How do I bring this message? And you're just hearing it for it's 30 minutes into this, right? How do I bring this message to people at work? How do we bring this into finding joy? How do I condense this down and make sure that we have a, a strategy or a tactic or a model that we can just meet people where they are? Some people love to go really deep with me in conversations. Some people just gloss over and have no idea what I'm saying. It doesn't matter, right? Where do you start with people so they can start their own path? Uh, and we've come up with what we call the fulfillment formula. This is ultimately, it's, it's based on four different kind of categories in our life, just to start. Now you can expand this, you can do whatever you want. This is kind of the fulfillment formula that drives our Project U, drives our coaching, our one-on-one -on -one coaching, drives our, the, the reason why people are moving here to join our organization. So it drives why people join Pergamoth Realty Group, right? Why they join the Market Center. This fulfillment formula, health and wellness is one, plus wealth, plus spirituality, plus leadership and relationships equals your fulfillment. And that equals your joy. Um, now there's a lot there, but just I can break this down individually. Then I'm going to jump into each one of these things as we go forward. The health and wellness, wealth, spirituality, leadership and relationships. And then that ultimately starts to equal your fulfillment. All right. So let's start with the first one, health and wellness. The reason why I say health and wellness is because um, not everyone wants to do an Ironman. Not everyone wants to run. Not everyone wants to swim. I look at how much health, my health and wellness is how much energy do I have? How much energy do I have, right? And so this just goes back to the core of it is joy brings health and wellness. The more joy you have, the more energy you have in your body, the healthier you feel, right? But your health, while you're here for this short period of time, you might as well maximize how you feel you're particularly on your body right because you have an internal feeling that's just amazing you have your body like how you feel and health and wellness to treat your body properly 
this is your foundation of your life. Like without your health, you really got nothing. Like you just, you start, you have your consciousness, maybe you're unconscious, but then you start to glow. So how do you create the core concepts around making, maintaining your health? Your, and, and in this, by the way, health and wellness is referred to typically as the body. But what about your psychological health, your psychological wellness? There's a lot to that that they don't teach anybody. There's no pyramid about psychological health that they're teaching you in school, which they should be. Because man, those minds are being used for a lot of things that should not be used, right? They're just dangerous if you don't understand these things. So health and wellness, I mean, first of all, one of the things I love about health, which is why I get up every morning and exercise for a couple hours a day, is because it does a couple things. One is it provides clarity to me. It gives me something that I wake up and I get to a listen to a lot of audible books while I'm reading or while I'm running or while I'm biking or while I'm swimming. And it also gives me this kind of really neat thing each day to conquer something. Right. So I kind of wake up and, and most most people think that I like love exercising because if you know me, I exercise a lot. That's not the case. What I love is the feeling that I get afterwards from my body. I also love the fact that life is hard in terms of if you're willing to work on yourself. Therefore, exercise is this way that you get to use discipline to put yourself through exercise. And then when you accomplish it, when you show up, when you have strength and energy and joy in your life, when you show up for work and a problem shows up, I got it. Nothing. Move. Get out of my way. It's a hit and steal. But man, when you're tired or sick or lethargic, a small feather can land on you and you're like, we're going bankrupt. We're over. Relationships are. We're done. Right? So it's this internal feeling that you have that that's why health is so important because it gives you this ability to start showing up from a different perspective, from a different place. Spiritual journey, your inward journey, your personal growth journey is all about, well, I'll get into that, but just understand that this, the journey in itself is about uncovering who you are and how you uncover who you are is by being able to show up the best version of yourself. So set yourself up each day to be able to do this. And what I mean, we all know the, the benefits from this, the increase in creativity, it helps you make much better decisions, keeps you intact. Um, it gets you through a difficult day much easier, by the way. Even if some days you can only do 10 push-ups because all you got, it just, it, you push through things easier and you build, most importantly, this emotional fitness. You start building strength to be able to use this you're creating a habit of building emotional fitness. So then the habit that you end up building is building emotional fitness. So then you can do it and you apply it to other aspects of your life. So you want to change other aspects of your life. So you keep going deeper in your life. You use that emotional fitness that you have in the kind of physical world by pushing through this to bring to other areas of your life. That becomes a powerful place to be. And that's one of the really, really neat things about this is that it gives you that ability to do it. We like to think of it in our company as the corporate athlete. Well, actually, you know where this really came from? It's pretty fascinating. The corporate athlete is, um, they studied, I say they, I forget the magazine who it was. It was either like Forbes or Inc. or one of those magazines. They took the corporate athlete and they measured their stress level and um, versus an athlete of like a professional football player who, you know, is in a physical sport, um, I would say probably – you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, right? They're physically being active. Whereas a corporate athlete is, you know, a parent, they're working, they're trying to get 30 minutes of exercise in, they're doing all this different stuff. So they, they measured the stress of these things. And they found that the corporate athlete is much more stressed physiologically, <laughs> wow, psychologically and physically. So really, so then they come down and says, well, 
they're not putting their bodies to the same thing as a, an athlete is. So why are they feeling this way? And the reason is because athletes are really good at two things. They're amazing at working hard and they're working hard. But you know what they're really good at is recovery. The recovery is what rebuilds the muscles. If you went out and bench pressed, the actual art of bench pressing doesn't build muscle. You actually tear down muscles while you're doing muscle fibers while you're breaking it down. And then your body says, well, you've torn down these muscles. You must be using these. Now, I'm going to support you. You don't even think about it. This is what happens. I'm going to support you by actually building up more muscles because that's something you obviously are using to help live your life. So your body is so incredible. So then it starts building more muscle, more muscle in that area, which is how you build more muscle because it's actually trying to give you because it thinks that you are using it to stay alive right? Or whatever it is that you're doing, right? But the, the athlete themselves recover. Most of us don't, which is we like to look in our lives, in our, in our business lives of making sure people are either fully engaged or strategically disengaged. Meaning if you're at work, man, be at work, be focused, bring the intensity. If you get a break in your work that your calendar says that you're doing it, be strategically disengaged. Go for a walk, read a book, do a handstand, do some push-ups, do a meditation. I don't grab some tea. Just be off. It's the break. So while you're engaged, you're fully engaged. I want you to be fully engaged. Most of us are playing in between both. We're kind of half in, half out, majority of the day, and it never breaks until we sleep. And then we wonder why we're not really sleeping. So be fully engaged while you're engaged and then be strategically disengaged. And remember, strategically is there because you're setting yourself breaks up. Remember that. You know, we had a um, we had a really amazing individual in Project U who um, hadn't even been a full year, has been, um, he's just a great human being. He's, I think he's lost like 25 pounds or so, so, so far. He's down three belt loops. But most importantly, he's refreshed his diet. He's focused on really, really kind of clean eating. We actually, I've gone plant-based predominantly. He had got even doing that for like a week at a time. Um, but he had, uh, he was managing this kind of ongoing knee pain, arthritis. And uh, he just realized that he can go out there and run with it. And he started running. He started doing 5Ks for the first time. started working out five times a week. He um, put on his skates for the first time in years and started icing up. He used to love hockey. He's now signed up for a small half one, which I think is amazing. He did a, a charity ride this year, um, all by starting small, by recovering, by starting to lace up his shoes, right? And the coolest thing is, is, is the I believe like the best part about him is that his daughter started following suit. They started doing TRX when he's doing TRX. They started um, doing push-ups when he was doing push-ups. They started running with him when he was running. They would jump on the treadmill while he was biking. And it's just so this this athlete this you can you can do it all just we think that we can't meaning that we feel like we need to either be able to go run like a marathon or we don't start at all just start small and watch the geometric power of this thing so it's just really cool to watch the uh, I think we total it's been like 350 pounds people have lost in Project U but you can do the same thing by bringing this into your everyday life focus on recovery focus on being strategically engaged focus on the what putting health first is going to do not only for you, but for your family and not only for your family, but then your family treats it to other people. Then you get out there and add more joy to your life because you're able to experience more, you be able to play more. you be able to do all these things. So health, energy, how you feel starts as the cornerstone of what it is that we look like. And again, not 
Plenty of people in our organization have started, to, you know, Ironmans, have done marathons, and plenty of people are just walking or started a yoga class or, you know, my wife has to live with me and, and that's a lot. And, uh, you know, she did marathons for a little while, but ultimately she's like, you know, I just want to go back to Bikram yoga. And she's doing Bikram yoga every day and she loves it. Like, I just great. Create your vision for what it is that you want to do. Just well, find uh, It's about consistency over intensity. Yes, it right. is. It scared me there. I forgot there was somebody else in the call. <laughs> I know you're just, you're on a roll. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what it is. Just consistency over anything. Just so just stay consistent, even if it's small, what it is. So then the next one, you, you got your health and fitness. Again, it's the first cornerstone. Then you kind of bring this into wealth. And there's a lot more on the wealth side here than people think it is. People naturally think of wealth and they think, oh, it's about making money. Yes, it is. Money's great. Money does a lot of really amazing things, brings you options. But as you know, at the end of your, anybody listening to this, um, is most likely money isn't necessarily bringing them more joy. Uh, unless, look, if you're living in like a, you know, in the woods, you don't have money for food, then yes, money may bring you some more joy in your life. But there's actually studies that showed, anyways, I'm not gonna get that. Wealth, this is a mindset. There is joy in saving. You didn't, you, <laughs> so we teach this to our individuals. Look, there's, when you, when you were born, people didn't say, guess what? When you spend, there's joy in spending. <laughs> Nobody just, you just didn't pick that up. You can find just as much joy in spending as you do buying something for yourself as you can find just as much joy in saving. I'm telling you that you can. You just got to understand and change your philosophy around money, right? And we'll talk some tactics in this one next, uh, in the next slide, but wealth is nothing. Money is nothing but a tool. Once you understand that money has no power over you, money is just a tool, you'll attract a lot more of it. Once you understand money is everywhere, it's there. It's, and it's just a thing. It's just a tool that you can use in your life, a great tool, but it is. Money is good for the good that money can actually do. And that's a powerful place. The secret to living is giving. So you give more, you give more opportunities, you give different things. Um, one of the things that we found that I thought was really interesting when we were doing Project U on the wealth side is about building wealth and retirements. You know, in our in our BlackRock's pipeline, you know, we've got over a thousand units, right? So we, we've we've I, I kind of want to naturally go to that. But what I found is that um, a lot of people don't understand, particularly a lot of successful individuals, they know how to make money, but they don't really understand how to save it. Or they don't really understand what they're spending money on. And we take people through a, a couple day exercise to really work on what is your spending. And every single time we do this, whether it's an employee, whether it's in Project U, or whether it's in our coaching clients, we take people through this, man, and they're forced. It's not fun, by the way, to go, hey, I'm gonna go through my credit cards on a Saturday, right? But this is the work you have to put in. Then you realize like, man, I'm spending on average about 50% more than I thought I was. It's just about what I've seen. So you think you're spending $5,000 a month, most likely you're probably spending seven to eight. You think you're spending 10 grand a month, you're probably spending, you know, thirteen to $15,000. I'm telling you, like, it's just, it's remarkable. I can remember my love, my wife loves when I share this. We, um, I walked home to her one day, and this was a while ago. And I said, Hey, do you understand how much money you're spending on your, on your credit card every month? And she's like, I don't know, like maybe like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, try like seven. She's like, no, that's impossible. So I was like, okay. I took out her credit card statement, which is just hers. And I said, here it is. The first thing she looked at me and she's like, well, what do I do? Or how do people do this? And I said, well, they're on budgets. And being an, an unassuming person, she was spending, she said, I don't spend money on myself. And I said, no, you're not yourself, but you're just buying stuff. You're buying kids food. You're buying stuff for them, stuff we just don't need, right? 
And so she goes, okay, well, put me on a limit. And we, and it was her decision, not mine. So understand that. And so we put the limit at $2,000. And then of course, now every month it changed it, 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 every month it releases the $2,000. And now all of a sudden in a month, she went back to $2,000. It's just amazing that all of a sudden you just have awareness around wealth, awareness around saving. So a couple of things that you can do, by the way. Um, so we talked about knowing your expenses. Uh, but one of the things I, I really want you to take away from this tactically is creating your buckets. And this is something that's really powerful to do. First of all, the biggest person on your payroll should be the government. We actually have, a, in a, on our bank accounts, we have a government account. <laughs> it's for taxes. So that you should want it so that if you're running a business, even if you're self-employed or a 1099 person in somebody else's business, you still have your own business, right? Or if you're an employee, whatever money that comes in from your paycheck is your gross business income. You can look at it any way you want. Now, typically you'd have taxes taken out, so you wouldn't have to necessarily worry about that, but you would still look at it without the tax component on it. If you haven't paid tax when you get your money, that should be the first place that you go. If you make $100,000 in a year, or you make 10 grand in a month, $3,000, should take in and put into the government account. Then you go back to the 7,000 and you say, okay, what can I do? What expenses do I have from the 7,000? Great, I got five grand expenses, left over with $2,000 that I can actually play with, not five, meaning the 3,000 you put in the government account and 2,000, that's what people do. They just start seeing it all as a personal bank account. Then you just decide of percentages. So it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's the percentage of this. How much do you wanna put in for your emergency fund? You, again, a little tactic should be at least six months. Uh, what debt do I wanna pay off? right? What debt do I want to pay off that's here? How much can I put? So maybe you say, hey, 10% of whatever I make every month is going to go towards debt payoff. And maybe you have a good month and it's 30 grand. Great. Three grand goes to debt payoff. It's just automatic. You don't have to think about it. How much do we have that we want to put away in investments, right? Based on where you're at in the season of your life, maybe more, maybe less, but just understand how much do you want to put in investments? And that can be something that we can go over individually with you, but you're really sitting down and going over that. And then you need to have a fun bucket because this, if you don't have a fun bucket, then you feel guilty about spending things, especially if you get really focused on this. So maybe to, again, depending on what season you're in your life, if you're early in your life and you're in your twenties, you may have a 10% fun bucket. If you're 65, you may have a 60% fun bucket. I'm just throwing numbers out there. You have to massage this. You don't have to just start with something. You can change it if you want to. Um, but really focus on the, the fun bucket, the investment bucket, the debt payoff, your security and your taxes. If you need to do this, um, we had an individual who I love sharing his story, very, very successful business owner. He's got, you know, real estate team, staging company, been in the business for, I don't know, like 30 years, wife, three children, he changed for Ironmans, right? He's got all this kind of things going on here. He got really clear on using these bucket systems and a couple other percentages that he's doing. Um, and so far this year through our, through project, he's purchased 22 properties, 22 properties. That's awesome. He really started to leverage his financial ability by buying the properties, right? Holding the mortgage, using lines of credit, things that you can do with wealth. It's called the Burr method. You know, you can buy it with a line of credit. You can rehab it and then refinance it, grab all your money back out and do it again. There's a reason how people get wealthy in real estate. They don't just make a bunch of money. They're very smart with their money. Understand that money has a flow. Every dollar that comes into your life has a path. Understand that at the core. Every dollar that comes into your life, I don't care if it's a cent. I guess a cent wouldn't be a dollar. But every dollar that comes into your life has a path of how it goes out or where it goes. You're just most likely unaware of where it goes. And that's what 
the, the mindset of wealth is knowing where every dollar goes. If you want to have a 90% fund bucket, fine. Just know that it's going there. You just know what you're giving up. If you want to have 90% security, then great. Know what it's going there. You get to decide. The point is know where every dollar is going. And when he really started understanding where every dollar is going, he was able to leverage so much more in his ability that then got him to be able to purchase this year um, through some of the things we worked on, 22 different properties. One of the things the product do is making sure everyone at the end of the year has bought a property, even if they don't have any money or good credit. Seriously, we show them how to do, use, use a lot of ways you can buy properties. You just got to be creative and understand it, right? How you use it to pay off debt. I mean, he paid off his, his wife's car. He paid off a small mortgage on his house. He maxed out his RAs now, um, put his son on his payroll, basically started his retirement account for him. And now he leads, he's part of an investment board, which is awesome about teaching other people how to really truly invest in real estate, all from the things he's doing. These are just real life experiences of how these things, when you put them into your play in your organization, can play out with people. This is transforming people's lives through real estate, through business, through your work. And this all helps them find more joy. That's just a, just a powerful place to operate from. What is spirituality and what does it mean to wake up? Um, as Hallie's probably freaking out over there, not wanting me to spend the next 20 minutes on this topic, I'll refrain from really going extremely deep on this, which I love to, because I think it's, it's, it's the most important, finding joy in your life, which is what we're really talking about here. But after we go through health and wellness, after we go through wealth, we then turn to spirituality. And don't get lost in this word. So many people get lost in spirituality. I'm going to land a cave or sit in a haiku position, haiku position, and I need position having haikus and a fire and smoke coming up around me. It's got nothing to do with that. Understand? It's got nothing to do with that. Spirituality is just understanding um, who you are, why you're here, and then evolving your soul. It's just understanding that there's something larger than yourself. So you get outside of yourself. At the, if I bring it to the top level, it's just spirituality is just getting outside of yourself. You realize like, hey, I'm a spiritual being having this minor physical experience. But I'm a spiritual being. I came from somewhere. And then so birth is not really birth. It's a transfer of energy. Death is not really death. It's a transfer of energy. You are always changing your body. By the way, did you look the same when you were seven? No, you don't call that birth and death. You just call that growing up. Well, it's the same thing. You just happen to be transfers of energy when you're born. You come in, you grow and you grow and then you grow the other way and then you leave by exiting <laughs> different transfer of energy. Yes, you can mourn. I'm not belittling birth and death. It's just a, a transfer of this. So just spirituality just means, so what does it mean to wake up? Let me just start there, right? Um, waking up means, because you hear that a lot, like you, you go wake up, right? Stop sleeping, go wake up. All that means is most people are living their lives whether they have, okay, you have thoughts. Your thoughts are there. It's that voice inside your head. Thought is just a thing. It doesn't do anything. It's just like a helium balloon. It just floats, it's just like a cloud. It's just there. It's like a bird, it's just there. Thoughts are not the problem. The problem is, is you have what's called a conscious or a free will. So if I asked you right now to say, hey, feel your hands, feel your feet, wiggle your toes, feel your consciousness in your ears, feel your lower back, you can do that without touching it. You can feel it. That consci That's consciousness. That's you. That is it, where you can feel it in your body. Now, so what happens is a thought comes in, and we take our consciousness, and we give life to the thought by using our will and our consciousness to electrify the thought. Now the thought has power. 
Now the thought has all of life behind it because you've taken your free will in your in your consciousness or your spirit or whatever make, word makes sense, your Shakti, your Chi, whatever it is, and you put it on your thought. Now you get addicted to the thought. Your mind over time gets so addicted to thinking that that's all it is. It's like you've been literally in a movie theater. You guys have been in a movie theater before where you go in there, it's light outside, you go in there for a matinee, the movie gets quiet, you, all your senses are locked into the movie. It's one of the best movies you've seen. You forget about problems, you forget about people that are around you, you forget about any of the other things that are around you. They're just there, right? They're just, they're, you forget about all that and you're so tuned into it. Well, that's how people are living life. <laughs> Once you step outside and then the movie comes up and you're like, wow, I didn't realize there's people around. There's 300 people in the movie theater. And then you go outside and it's still light out. And you're like, man, it's light out. It's crazy. It's That's how people are so, so awake. So they're just, they're sleeping in the movie. They're in the movie. They're so caught into the theme. And it's just your mind. Instead of a screen, it's just you've now become intoxicated with your thinking, with your thoughts. So you put all your energy and all your thinking into your thoughts and you give it energy. It's like plugging in a treadmill. The treadmill is a thought. The treadmill doesn't work unless you plug it in. Plugging it in means you take your will, your consciousness, and you give it energy. That's why it goes to the second layer. It's like, oh, look at that truck. I don't like that truck. Why did somebody get a black truck? Can we get a black truck? I can never get a black truck. Why do they? What, you think I should get a raise? You think I should definitely should get a raise so I can be able to afford a truck? Man, if they're getting a raise, I should definitely be getting a raise. I, I don't know why I wouldn't pick a black truck anyways. I'd probably get a red one. Maybe I don't know if get a truck at all. I'd probably get something else. Maybe even buy a house. I don't know. But I definitely deserve this raise. I can't believe I wouldn't get it. I've been here for long. <laughs> That's how people's minds operate. They just go so far deep by giving it energy. Well, unplug the treadmill. Wake up, right? One of the greatest gifts you can give to humanity is to wake up. That's what it means. It means that you are no longer intoxicated or addicted to your thinking. Why do you get addicted to your thinking? Well, here's why. Because the mind says, hey, from the beginning, man, if I get that toy over there, I'm going to feel really good. And all of a sudden, when you go over, you get a toy, and you happen to get a toy. And for a second, for a few moments, maybe even a day, you feel joy. You feel this happiness that comes inside. You feel this rush of energy. I'm not even going to use joy or happiness. You just feel this rush of energy. Come in there, and you go, oh, so that's how I feel good. That's how I feel this rush of energy. Oh, so from the beginning, we start conditioning ourselves to that if our mind says that we want something, that we like something, we've got to go after it in order to get it. And once we get it, we're going to feel this little injection of rush of energy for a few minutes. And then we're on to something else. That's this linear progression of life. Boom, 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 more, 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 more. And you, how's that working out for you, by the way? So we start this at a really young age and we, and we don't stop until the age we're now. I got to get this job. I got to make another pending. I get this. No, you've already done it all. Stop thinking like that's what waking up is and realizing that you're going, you're trying to get this rush of energy inside, outside. You can't get it outside. It's like getting water out of a rock. You're just not going to get it. You're going to spend all your life chiseling on the rock. You're never going to get it. It's already inside you. But why do you feel the rush when you get something Then you may be thinking? Well, what happens is because your, your, your consciousness is so addicted to thinking that when your mind actually says, okay, go get that car, and you get the car for a couple days, a week, whatever it is for long for you, your mind goes, oh my God, I actually got it. I don't know what to do. And it kind of suspends its thinking. It suspends its, 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 uh, its ability to just 
think for a second, it suspends itself. And so what happens is your consciousness is always going at four miles per hour, never ends. So it goes, well, if I can't get intoxicated or, or in this thinking pattern, I'm going to go to what's right next to it, which is energy, which is light, which is chi, which is your source. Then, so all of a sudden you get what you want. The mind suspends itself for a second. Your consciousness goes right over to the energy flow. That's what rushes up. You opened up. You opened up and all of a sudden this rush of energy comes in. That's why it happens. So then we get addicted to thinking that that is the way to feel good. We think that that is the way to feel joy or happiness. So then we make our entire lives, we're trying to manipulate the external world, relationships, people, businesses, money, all of that to try to make ourselves feel good. And we're addicted to it. You don't even realize you're addicted to that until you step outside and you realize how silly this is. And, and then conversely on the other side, if you don't get what you want, right, it starts to close you off even more. You get more addicted. Why didn't I get that? What? You just get lower and lower and lower and you feel worse and worse and worse and fear comes in and all this stuff. I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to be enough. What if I never get out of this? What if I can never run this? Man, it just goes lower and lower and lower and you keep cutting it off more and more and more. It's like the sun's always there. Once you decide to remove the clouds, it never goes away. You just, there's so many clouds all over the place that it's never really shining through. Then all of a sudden there's a break in it. That's that kind of suspension. The sun shines through. So then, so it happens. Yes, you get that energy, you get the taste of it. But understand working spiritually means that you use business. You use your joy, your creativity to create a big business, to create money, to go have a Lamborghini if you want it. And what he's telling you not to, get into a relationship, get married, have kids, all of those things. But don't ever do it because your mind tells you to. Don't ever do it because you think it's going to change you inside. Spirituality isn't about changing what you do. It's changing what part of you is doing it. It's the depth of experience is what you're after. And so we've gone about doing this in an indirect way. So if you truly want to find joy, this is what we concentrate on in spirituality section. In this entire quarter, we bring this in my communication with our team, not all the time, right? But I bring this into them. There's a real life problems are only a problem because you said, I don't want it to happen that way. Then when it happens that way, you classify that as a problem and you feel bad. Problems are nothing but events. If you just actually walked around, if you want to play checkmate in this game and I'll move on, if you want to talk about more of this, I'm happy to, but if you want to play checkmate with this game of life and you actually want to feel joy at all times, you just go out there and say, I love everything. I love everything. Everything that I love this problem. I love it. It's not a problem. It's just an event. You've made it a problem because you've now gotten to your head and your mindset it's a problem because it's something that you don't want or you don't have, whether it's your health or anything. That's why you go back to the wider perspective like we talked about and understand there's never a problem there because your problem is going to end when you die. It's going to go away. So when you realize you just play, hey, I love this. Awesome. Great challenge. And we, we talked about that in the pillars of joy. That's what they're referring to. They're just saying it at a much easier level to explain. I'm just going deeper on this so you can actually understand some tactics around this. That's what happens though. So to wake up is to realize you're not your thoughts. You're not your thinking. You were the one witnessing all of this. And hopefully to provide some clarity around what that looks like. So in this, we teach people meditation, breathing exercise, all the stuff that we talked about, we go in details for days, right? And just really breaking down what that looks like. Three, two, one, relax. Um, there was an individual who, who I, I'm, I love the fact that they're really successful business individual, wife of three kids. One of the things he said, he goes, you know, I went on a vacation for the first time and he was so proud. He called me right after he goes, you know, I went on vacation and my, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't care what we do today. My wife looks at me and she goes, what's wrong with you? And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, what's wrong? And she's like, what's, what's, what's this? Who is this person? He's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you're not planning everything. You're not anxious. You're not on your phone. You're not trying to do any of this stuff. You're just, you're not trying to get everybody in order. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just happy to be here, be here with you. And she's like, 
I want what you're doing. <laughs> I want you to join TM, Transcendental Meditation. I want to learn what you're learning. And he was just so excited that he was actually able to enjoy the depth of the experience instead of allowing his mind to run everything. And three, two, one, relax is a great technique, by the way. When a, when a problem shows up, if you're, you look at it as a problem, three, two, one, relax. Gain a water perspective. All those eight pillars of joy apply to all of that. The minute a problem shows up. Just that alone will start you on your path. Clarity of awareness is the key thing. So then after spirituality, we go into leadership and relationships. This is how do you create a cadence of communication? How are you going to do what you say? How do you share the vision for you and your family and make sure that you're not, you know, personal growth is that personal. But how do then the personal growth, how does that bring into your family growth? <laughs> you can get in the trap of very very there's usually somebody in the family that is that takes responsibility for casting the vision for their family because in work you cast the vision all the time and people are following it yes you cast the vision for your family but are you including everybody in that family are you including them in the vision or is it just what your vision is and you think that by building that they should get joy from it <laughs> we do that a lot with ourselves so we get really deep into what does that mean right what does it mean to have actually deep and meaningful relationships right which um we actually can get into, but let me just, I'll pause here for a quick second, but just understand that you're protecting the culture, you're building your relationships in this. And one of the things that we believe in all of this is that the next generation of leaders are as just committed to their inward growth as they are their spiritual life. Sorry, the next generation of leaders are just as committed to their inner growth and their spiritual life as they are to spreadsheets, bottom lines, profits, businesses. That's the next generation of leaders. It's, under, it's already happening. People are already waking up and realizing there's something that they want. That's just, it's not a, not their life is bad. This is just something more they want to get out of life. And that's the depth of the experience of it. It's really the next generation of leaders, right? Um, so when you, when you look at about the connection equation, I'm just going to go over this briefly. Uh, I will say one of the things that I found that was really helpful in the leadership and relationship section is the most underlying comment that we got from everybody was, we asked people to bring so we could workshop leadership and communication challenges at work and in business. And more and more, and almost there was a common thread and some use of words, they all said, how do I have more deep and meaningful relationships? How do I have more deep and meaningful relationships? So man, we spent an entire time breaking this down and there's four things that lead to this. I just always work backwards, right? You need unconditional love for yourself. Now that you need a lot to explain that, but it's really, um, unconditional love for yourself leads to being present in the moment with others. As you're able to be really be present in the moment with others, you get deep and meaningful conversations, which then leads to deep and meaningful relationships. So the unconditional love for yourself, remember un we explained and defined what unconditional love was earlier. If you need to grab the recording, listen to this again. Then you be, after you do that, you're no longer in your mind, which we talked about before, that allows you to be present. Instead of sitting there in a conversation going, why'd they say that? I don't really like the clothes they're wearing. Why would they pick that? Why are they sitting that way? Why do you think they're drinking their water, right? You just sit there in your mind just talking. It's just garbage. It's just mind garbage instead of using your mind for wisdom, right? Of listening. The only way you do that is to understand the, the strength there. So unconditional love leads to being present in that moment, which then when you're present, people feel that. So they're yearning for, that yearning for presence and yearning for authenticity to be themselves around you, that psychological space, making peace with the outcome, all things that we really go deep into. And it gives you that deep and meaningful conversation, which then leads to a deep and meaningful relationship with your clients, with your partners, with your kids, with your husband, with your employees. This can be applied to everything that you're doing. 
Thanks everyone for listening. I'm super excited for you to get out there and apply what you've learned about unleashing joy today. If you like what you heard, share with a friend, coworker, family member, or all three. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps get the word out about our show. Thanks so much.